I noticed something that really blessed me. There were some young people there like Reg Kelly that didn't hardly know what kind of ball they had in their hand. <laughs> and, it, and, and I noticed one of them, there's a young lady, and, and she, you, or no, I think it's a, I'm not sure now, but anyway, she took the ball and she was showing her or them, you know, how to hit that ball. Took the time. And here's what I liked about it. I didn't see anybody in that gym mocking or making fun of the person who didn't know how to hit the ball and who was being trained how to hit the ball right in front of everybody. There was a spirit in that gym that we love each other. We're not going to put each other down. We're not going to try to exalt ourselves and act like we're better and I'm I'm a hot rod and you're not and this, that, and the other. And there's just a spirit there that just was a blessing. And what I really enjoyed was that the ball would come over and maybe somebody would be like me and, and they'd just go, whop, you know, like that. And whether it went over or hit the floor, they encouraged them. And they didn't down them if it didn't just do right. And if they just, you know, hadn't had much experience, they were just there to fellowship and have a good time in the Lord. In this church over the years, and I'd like for you to put up 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number, uh, start, let's start at verse number 10 to get the message. But this is what I want to preach about youth today. And uh, uh, a lot of churches are really big into youth groups and so forth. And I want to deal with this and just uh, somebody says, boy, there's a lot of young people at, your, at that church. Well, uh, uh, there is. And I'm so thankful for them. Amen? Amen. And I'm so grateful. But one of the reasons there is because their mom and dad's decided to have children and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. Pretty hard to have kids in church if you don't have them. All right. And so uh, one of the things that I've preached over the years is let God give you the children that he wants to give you and let him take care of it. And you quit fretting about it, worrying about it, and it'll all turn out real good. Amen. I'm serious with you. Now, I mean that. And uh, love children. Welcome children. Have an attitude of that. But uh, in, gen- in, in first Timothy chapter, we're going to kick in at chapter four, verse number nine, where we left off last week. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Now, if you're going to be in the ministry, as Timothy was going to ministry and Paul's dealing with him, you're going to have to labor. Ministry is labor. Uh, don't go into ministry, true ministry, thinking, boy, I can sit in the house all week long and get up there for about an hour on Sunday morning and I can go fishing and piddle around. That's not ministry. And uh, I'll tell you, if you follow Jesus's ministry, I'll tell you what, it was long and early and late. And, and, and even the disciples that talked about, they had so much leisure as they eat. Even, they were busy working for the Lord and it can be exhausting. By the way, spiritual labor is more exhausting to me than physical labor. And I will be honest with you. Yeah. I've gone home church, from church so many times, you just feel like you're just drained out every way, just drained out. Now, that's okay. I'm not griping about it. I'm just saying that's part of it. Now, so he said, he said, not only labor, he said, if you're going to be in the ministry, by the way, that's what makes this church go is people ministering in this body of believers and making things happen, working, laboring. I mean, we've got people that works here and I'm talking about we've got people that works in this church. And uh, then it said, and suffer reproach. If you're going to be in the ministry, you're going to suffer reproach. We talked about a few weeks ago, Moses was willing to suffer the reproach of Christ. And he considered them and esteemed them greater than the riches in heaven. And Jesus said, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye and, and rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. One of the things that Christian church needs to get back to in America is do not be afraid to be reproached for your faith. 
Expect the world not to like you. Expect the world to hate you. Jesus said they would. He said, marvel not if the world hates you. He said, they hated me before they hated you. The church will always be hated of the world. They'll always be hated of the world. And if the closer you live to Jesus and the more obedient you are to the Bible, the more reproach you're going to take. And it won't be from the barroom crowd. Who knows where it'll be from? It'll be from the church religious crowd that just wants to not, they want to serve God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. And that's where you're going to catch reproach. Now, he said, because we trust in the living God. He said, we trust in the living God who is the Savior. By the way, there's a verse on the deity of Jesus Christ. How many spotted that? We trust in the living God who is the Savior. You know what that means? That Jesus Christ is God Almighty. So be sure and tell all your Mormon and Jehovah Witness friends that there's a verse they can like. Amen? Now, he said that he's the Savior of all men. Does that mean that everybody's going to be saved? No. It says, especially of those that believe. Now, Jesus tasted death for every man, but not every man believes upon him. And those will be saved who believe upon him. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he's the perpetuation for our sins and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The Bible said Jesus tasted death for every man, but you must believe on him in order for him to become your savior. He's the savior of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, Jesus died for everybody, amen? But not everybody's saved. If you're here today or you're listening to me, if you have not personally trusted and received Jesus Christ, believed on his sufferings, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his shed blood in your place for your sin, you are not saved and you are not a child of God. But, you can't, he, he, but he can be your savior today if you call upon him. And you don't have to come up here. You can be saved right where you're sitting while I'm preaching. That's exactly right, Amen. Now he said in verse 11, these things command and teach. He said, you lay this on the line. This is the truth. And he's telling him as a young preacher, you do this. Now we're going to go to verse number 12 today. And this is the the verse that I want this church to memorize. Now, let me say to the young people today, I'm going to kind of be preaching primarily to you, preaching to everybody all together, preaching to myself. But I am not going to lay yokes on these young people that we will not have upon our own selves. One of the worst mistakes parents and preachers do is lay yokes upon young people. And you, if you're not careful, and you young people need to listen to me. And you young people need to listen to me. And you young people need to listen to me. Well, they'll listen more to what we're doing than what we're saying. Right. And so I'm not, I want you, every, all the young people here know I'm not putting a yoke on you that I'm not putting on all the adults, including myself in this church. Now here, look at verse number 12. And uh, it says, let no man despise thy youth. He said, Timothy, you're a young person. And don't let anybody despise you because you're young. Then he said, but be thou an example. So if I was you today, I've got that circled in my Bible. How many thinks I ought to be an example to the believers? Well, I shouldn't lay on these kids to be an example if I'm not willing to be an example. And you see this scripture. He said, be thou an example of believers. And he's going to give six areas of life. And we'll be looking at those later where we're to be an example to believers, okay? Now, before we get into this further, let me just, I want to take some scriptures. Now, I'm going to give you young people an assignment right now. I want you to write this down if you will. If you've got a pen and piece of paper, borrow one somewhere, whatever, get it, but, or or have to say, Mom, write this down. I'm going to give you an assignment. All the young people, if you think yourself young, I, I don't know what age to tell you that is, but here's what I want you to do. Number one, I want you to write down this week the lies that Satan has told you or is telling you about God, 
the Bible, your parents, and yourself. Now, I want to tell you young people something. If I could ever tell you something to help you in life, this right here will do it. You are going to be bombarded with lies out of hell. Satan is going to lie to you about God. He's going to lie to you about the Bible. He's going to lie to you about your parents. He's going to lie to you uh, about the church. He's going to lie to you about me as as the pastor of this church. And uh, he's going to lie to you. Now, what I want you to do is, I wonder if you'll be honest enough this week to write down the lies that you think you're dealing with that Satan is telling you. Now, I wanted this morning just to break and say, all right, let's just try some of it. But I don't, I doubt that you young people will do that. But I can tell you something I know about young people. Satan's lying to you. He may have lied to you about your dad or he's, he's just pumping stuff into you about your dad. Let me give you some of the lies. I'll just throw this out. My dad doesn't want me to be married. That's a lie. I can tell you right now, that's a lie. I don't know a dad in this auditorium that doesn't want his children to be happy with a spouse. They just don't want you to marry the wrong one. Okay? So make sure you're understanding the lie that the devil's telling you. My mama just doesn't understand me. Or the preacher, all he is preach about is sin, 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 sin. He, he, he just doesn't understand me. Or I don't know why God made me look like I uh, look. And just it goes on and on. And I'm going to tell you, there's thousands of lies that you can be told and you need to come to grips with it. What is contrary to the truth of the word of God? How is he lying to me? Because if you don't understand that he's lying to you and recognize those lies, you're going to get yourself in a mess. Okay. God just, here's one. God don't want me to have any fun. God doesn't want me to enjoy life. God doesn't want me to be successful or blah, 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 whatever it is. You can't believe how successful God wants you to be. It's just that his definition of success may not be yours. Okay, now, second thing I want you to do, besides writing down and thinking about the lies that Satan, well, I guess I'll just stop right now and be a mean old preacher. How many of you kids would even say, Reggie, I might do that. I won't promise you for sure, but I, I, I might. Would you raise your hand? There's a few. <clears throat> Thank you. The rest of you got to really think about this. I'm not, up here, I'm not up here playing jack maybe with you. I haven't given my life to come here past you. Just piddle around with your soul and I don't care about you. I'm telling you some serious stuff. You better get real about what is Satan lying to me about. If you don't, what will happen is he'll keep pumping it and pumping it and pumping it and pumping it. And there'll be a day when something kind of flips inside you. And, and all of a sudden you're going to go, that's just the way it is. With a curled up lip. The second thing I want you to do is after you have written these down, I want you to discuss it with your parents. I want you to say, Mom, Dad, I want you to sit down and talk to me. That takes courage because Satan's already lied to you that your dad won't listen to you. You say, well, he doesn't. Well, ask him to. Say, Dad, would you, I'd like to talk to you and Mom. Pastor asked me to write down some lies. You know, here's the problem is that we're not communicating. I want you to put up on the on Malachi 4, 6. <clears throat> I want to show you this morning. Now, we, in some sense of the word, have a youth group here, but we do not have a youth group here as the average church would consider to be in a youth group. Okay. And there's a difference there. 
I want you to put up Malachi 4, 6. Watch this. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That's the last verse in the Old Testament. I want to tell you, young people, something. I love you probably more than you realize. But I'm not concerned about you and all your buddies. I'm concerned about you and your mom and dad. If I can get you where you're right with your mom and dad, all your friendships that way will be taken care of. But fathers, it has to start with us. Is our hearts turned to our children? And God said, then the children's hearts will be turned to the fathers. And he said, if this doesn't, watch this, if this doesn't happen, a curse comes with it. Now, we're going to, to, uh, to look at these six things in a little while, but I want to run some verses in the Bible on youth. So take off back there on that list, if you will, boys. Genesis 8.1. You might want to write these down. Just don't take the time. And uh, <clears throat> that's not the right one. Man, I can't believe I did that and I gave that to you. Hmm. Well, I'll look it up later. I'm sorry. I apologize for this. I gave the wrong verse. But what it says is that man's heart is sinful and wicked from his youth. The very first time youth is mentioned in your Bible, which is the law first mentioned, you know, really perk it up. It said he's sinful from his youth. In other words, young people, you don't have to, you don't have to be old to be wicked. You don't have to be old to be sinful, all right? And you are born with a sinful nature, all right? Go to Psalms 25 and see if I've did any better. All right. David here is praying. He said, remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. He talks about the sins of his youth. In Job, it talks about that. Uh, one of the men there talking in Job 6, he said, my, watch this. My bones are full of the sins of my youth. Young people, please listen to me today. <clears throat> Stay as clean and pure as you possibly can so that the sins of your youth will not be visited upon you 40 years from now. All right, let's go to Psalm 71, verse number 5. Psalm 71, verse number 5 and verse number 17. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. God wants you to trust him in your youth. He wants you to get started early with a relationship with him. Go to verse number 17. Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now remember something. Paul told Timothy, you don't let anybody despise your youth. What God is going to tell you if you'll study the word youth in the Bible is that he'll show you how not to be despised and how the despisement of your youth can be prevented. I'm going to show you the Bible has an unbelievable account in the Old Testament of what Paul is writing to Timothy about. So now let's go to Psalms 144, verse number 12. Psalms 144, verse number 12. Watch this. That our sons may be as plants, watch this phrase, grown up in their youth. God wants maturity in young people that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, especially by age 13, he wants spiritual maturity in you. Because if you don't get spiritual maturity into you by 13, you'll probably go the other way. All right. But he said, I want the sons to be as plants grown up in their youth. In other words, when you're out among people, they say, that boy doesn't act like an idiot. He doesn't act like a fluky. He acts mature. He acts like he's got some sense. 
He's respectful. Now, this is totally opposite of what America culture is right now. Yes. Kids are disrespectful. They, they, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. And by the way, you know where it's coming from? It's coming from the parents that are raising them. Because they're teaching them, you're, 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 so, you're my little idol. Everything in this house is for you. Everybody get out of the way for this one. And you spoil, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not preaching on raising disciplined children, but I ought to, amen. But anyway, then he said that our daughters, watch this, may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. Now, I'm going to throw something at you. And I'm trying to think how to say this without sounding braggadocious or proud or deceit. I don't want no junk. But if you look around this church, you'll see some young men that are grown up in their youth. And you'll see some young ladies that are polished like a cornerstone. And that's not to lift them up and make them think they're somebody. It's just God's doing, they're allowing God to do this in their life. Okay. Now, let's go to Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember now thy creator after you get to be 25. Or 30. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. I wonder just what that one verse would do to the public schools of America. If every student in American public school had to memorize that one phrase. I, wouldn't that just, can't you just see them administrators and teachers blowing a gasket? <laughs> you can't do that here. I wonder whose side they're on. I just wonder whose side are they on? While the evil days come not, and the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in it. God says, when you were young, he said, you remember your creator and you keep him in mind all the time. Let's go to Lamentations 3.27. Lamentations 3.27. Well, watch this verse. This is powerful. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. What's that mean? That means that... now. Keep this amount. A yoke is something that is put on an animal that labors, and he's to pull a load with it. Do you know why we're, we got kids graduating from college that don't know how to, to work? Don't know, how to, don't know what a 916th ranch is? I hired a, a boy one time, six foot two. Weighed, he must have weighed 250. Great big guy out there. And uh, I had some uh, roller racks that I had bought. Need to be put together. Legs need to be put on them. And his first job I gave him, I handed him a wrench, a half inch and a nine sixteenths. That were the size of the bolts. I said, I want you to put these together and I'll be back pretty soon. I came back. He had not put the first bolt on the, on the thing, first note on the bolt. I said, is there something wrong? What's the matter? Well, he said, I ain't never put nuts on bolts before. I don't know anything about this. Brother Ted, the man did not, the boy did not know how to put a nut on the bolt. Did not know how to use a ranch. That's what's wrong with America today is that we've made them think that playing a pedal a basketball or a football or something else is the big deal. But we don't know nothing else how to do nothing. I wonder how many of you boys could cut a, could cut a bull calf weighing 500 pounds. Without getting your teeth kicked down your throat. There are some girls I know that are better at, <laughs> at that than you. Some of you would be. Some of you. Um, <laughs> I wonder how, how many of you boys know how to run a chainsaw? Yeah. 
Brother Jerry, are you offering classes for castrating steers, bulls? We're raising a generation of sissies. That's right. I mean, pure sissies that don't want to get their hands dirty. I got to get off of this. And here's the deal. It's good for men to bear the yoke of his youth. Make your kids work according to the age level that they are in. Put the yoke on them for the size that they are. Some of you think making your child take the trash out is some big deal. No, it's not. They ought to do that automatically without even having to be told. And they sure don't need to be melt like, oh, I'm going to give you a dollar. You took out the trash. Kick his rear end and tell him to do it 40 times. Amen? That's stupid stuff. I'm talking about getting a hoe in their hand and hoeing five rows of corn a half mile long. I'm talking about putting a chainsaw in their hand before they ever get a chainsaw, put a house, a regular saw in their hand and an ax in their hand, dull, amen, and make them cut down three trees. You'll make a tree hugger out of them for sure, amen. Listen, we need to learn how to work, amen. amen. When my boys was, I'm talking about, I don't know how old they was. But I, they had milk crates and five-gallon buckets, and Brother Kime ain't here. He's doing the exact same thing. I'll just tell you right now, how many knows that Brother Kime's boys are not sissies? <laughs> Brother Kime, God bless you, amen. Yep. And he's got them milking them cows out there, amen. You see them deals? He's the milking them cows out there. He's making them feed hay. He's making them work. I'll tell you, you ain't lived till you've tried to milk a cow when you was five years old, and she kicks you in the head. <laughs> Knocks you off in the Lulu land. And the, I tell you, I remember, I remember Ben, please forgive me. But we had, what was the name of that horse? Gideon? We had bought an old horse named Gideon just so Ben would have something to ride. I bought a stupid horse down at the sale barn. They told me it, it, kids could, you know, when they say any kid can ride it, don't believe a word they're saying. <laughs> that thing's drugged up, amen. When the drugs were off, the, the ride's on. Anyway, they all three got on. I never will forget this. Nathan, Zach, and Ben, and that, that little old Shetland or whatever it was, it went kabook, and they all just went like, boom, <laughs> hit the ground. But I was gone on a trip or something. Ben, correct me if I'm right, but you was riding a horse or something, and he throwed you off or something. Huh? He ran away with you. They don't tell him what happened while I was gone. <laughs> and you fell off, right? Huh? <laughs> kind of throw, throwed you off. He fell off. What did they tell you? Get back on him. You don't tell your kid, oh, you poor little thing. Oh, That's mama, right. look. Oh, mama, looky. Right. Tell mama, go toast bake cookies. Amen. Right. Get back on the horse, Amen. You say, oh, I hurt my finger. Shut up. Get back to cutting wood. <laughs> Bear the yoke in your youth. Amen. Yeah. It's messy. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, my advice to some of you daddies would be send your boys with Don's in for two weeks. <laughs> That'd be worse than going to prison. Amen. <laughs> Proverbs 7, 7, bear the yoke in your youth. Hey, get them out there and teach them how to use a pair of pliers. Amen. 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 Make them get under something. I can't lift it. Say, try again. I can't lift it. Try again. Hey, don't give up just because something's hard. Go to the next one, guys. Go to, the, go to Proverbs 7, 7, please. Proverbs 7, 7. Now get this. You boys get this. Somewhere, Proverbs 7, 7, we'll get it. Here it is. I beheld among the simple ones. 
I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house. And the story is he gets tied up with a whore. Because they ain't got no sense. Because he wasn't grown up in his youth. This is verses on youth. Aren't we having a wonderful time? Now, I want you to go. Uh, I'm going to give you something. Now, don't, he said, let no man despise thy youth. Give you a story in the Bible. Boy named David. His other brothers were all gone to war. He's out keeping his father's sheep. There are a dozen things I could tell you about David just in two or three verses of how he, the character this boy had. First of all, he was, his dad sent him out to take care of sheep knowing there were lions and bears prowling after those sheep. So you know what that tells me his dad had done? Now I'm going to tell you something. When David killed Goliath with a slingshot, that wasn't his first rodeo. I bet you for days and months he's after... Did you know the Bible talks about the, the sons of Benjamin? How many of them, I forget how many of them was, could, with their left hand, or well, this is right, this right hand, or the left hand, could throw a stone and not miss by a hair's breath. That's your Bible. They were more deadly than you guys with 22s. We're talking about boys that knew what they were doing. Now, I want to tell you something further than that. It wasn't just slings. As a bear come in, or a lion come in and got a lamb. The Bible says David chased him down. Yeah. <laughs> Took that lamb out of his mouth. What was left of it? You ain't talking about no sissy playing. I'm going to offend some of you. I don't know. Don't want to. Don't want to. But where are the boys like that? Where are the boys like that? Anyway, whenever he's described, he's described as, watch this, the youngest. You can read your Bible and see this. Now, he comes down there obeying his father to take food to his brothers. He walks up there, sees Goliath, defying the armors of God, said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armors of the living God? He said, what are you all doing? Whoop that guy. And his brothers comes up to him and says, you're just naughty. You just came down to see the war. Intimidating down. They finally, he goes to somebody else and they take him up to Saul. Watch this. Saul said, Well, that's Goliath. And you're but a youth. What's he telling him? Despise his youth. You're too young. You don't mount to anything. Remember, I asked you kids to think about the lies that the devil's telling you. He'll tell you. You're young. You don't mount anything. You can't do anything. That's a lie. Young people can have unbelievable influence in this world. Did you know further that whenever David went down to Goliath, did you know what Goliath did? He did the exact same thing that Saul did. He despised David's youth. He said, you sent this youth down to me. And that's where Paul was coming with Timothy. Tim, he said, Timothy, you're getting ready to go into intensive, massive spiritual warfare as the work of your life. And you're going to have it coming to you from every direction you can imagine and plus some. Yeah. 
And he said, you don't let anybody despise your youth, but don't take that as some proud, cocky thing. Look what he says. Now, we're going to go six things here. Let's, uh, uh, six things. He said, number one, he said, you be an example of the believers in word. And again, I say this, I'm not putting a yoke on the young people that I'm not putting on myself. This is his speech. This is how he talks. A lot of ways to talk, pridefully, respectfully, uh, smart elically. A lot of ways to talk. Unclean talk. Young people, make your talk, your words to be clean. Amen. Do not get involved in dirty words. America is full of euphemisms that are filthy. And they say it, and everybody knows what they mean. But you're not saying it because you're, well, you know, trying to be a little bit. No. Get off of it. Keep your words clean. I'm preaching to myself. I'm telling you right now. God says, be an example of the believers in word. Then he said this, and I'm going to try to keep going here. He said, in conversation. Now, I don't care what the present day culture says. Go to your Bible. Believe the Bible, what it says. Conversation is more than your speech. It's not just me and him having to talk. Conversation is your entire lifestyle. Conversation is the attitude that you have in your heart. It's the look upon your face. It's the countenance upon your face. Conversation is where you go, the places you will go, the people you'll hang around, the stuff you will watch or will not watch. It's all that. It's how you dress. It's how you appear. It's how you look. It's your entire. He said, I want you, Timothy, to be an example of the believers in your speech, the very words that come out of your mouth. By the way, the, out of the heart, out of the mouth, out, it's out of the heart that w- mouth talks, you know. Then he said, I want your conversation to be uh, uh, an example to people in what you're doing, what you're not doing, your whole, every realm of your life, I want you to be an example of the believers in that. Then he said the next thing is in, is in charity. He said, Timothy, you got to love people. You got to suffer along with them, be kind, uh, thinketh no evil, all that, vaunted not yourself up, don't be cocky, don't be proud. You got to go back to 1 Corinthians 13 to get all of that. But that's what he was directing to say, be an example in charity. Then he said, be an example in spirit. This is big. Now, all of them's big, but boy, in spirit's real, real big. Your spirit needs to be right. Amen. How many of you have been around a child or a young person, their spirit's not right? Their spirit's not right. Now, young people, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to have a successful life, have a right spirit. David, when he got into sin, said, Lord, he said, creating me a clean heart, clean my heart at first. Then he said, renew a right spirit within me. He said, my spirit hadn't been right. And I want to tell you, young people, son, can I give you a bit of wisdom today? And I love you. And you can take this to throw it in the trash can. But when your spirit's not been right at your house toward your siblings or toward your parents, go confess that. Get it right with God and then get it with them and say, Daddy, my spirit's not been right. That takes some grace to say that. Amen. My spirit hadn't been right. Any, any parents in here ever had children that your spirit wasn't right? Well, you know, hey, we can all do that. I'm going to tell you something. My dad, I, mean, I, 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 just, I just love him more every day. But there was a time in my life when my spirit wasn't right toward my dad. And I closed my spirit off to him. I didn't hate him or anything. I just, you know, he, he drew the line and he, he stood firm and he didn't, he didn't compromise just because Reggie was trying to do stupid. He held. And I didn't like it because my dad held. And for four or five years, my spirit wasn't right toward him. One day I was in, my pickup, was in the pickup truck with him and God, God just smote me. 
And I realized, Red, your spirit's not right towards your dad. He's your dad. And he loves you. He'll die for you. What are you doing, stupid? And I'm telling you what, God, I really sometimes look back and wonder if that's not the, the beginning of the change in my whole course of history. But I owe, I owe almost everything to my dad today. But God turned my heart, my spirit, right toward my daddy. And I'll tell you, young kids, if you want something right in your life, don't let Satan mess up your spirit. Don't let him mess up your spirit. I remember one time I, I probably maybe did and didn't know it, but one time I remember since that time that I spoke disrespectfully to my dad. And, uh, it was just, it, we were working and it was inadvertently, I, honest to goodness, I wasn't intentional, nothing like that. I just was in the heat of the moment. I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you that the fact of it didn't make any difference. God smoked me. And man, I tell you what, I had to go to him two or three days later and said, Daddy, I need you to forgive me. And he knew it. He didn't say anything. Just, you bet, no problem. Don't worry about it. Let's get on down the road. But if you want freedom... Be an example in spirit. Have a good spirit. Amen. A clean spirit, a wholesome spirit, a bright spirit, encouraging spirit. Be an example. I tell you, a church that's got good spirited young people in it's got something. Amen. Amen. And then he said this example in faith. Young people believe God against all odds. Don't stagger at the promises of God. God says it in the word, man, it's true. I don't care what anybody says or what the circumstances look like. Be an example in faith and just say, you know what? I'm going to believe God anyway. By the way, let me just say that Joseph is an example of someone whose youth was despised. He had that coat of many colors and his older brothers, ah, you know, you don't amount to nothing. And they hated him, but he didn't let it, he didn't let it rip him up. But you have Example of being, have faith in the Word of God. Read the Word of God, know the Word of God, believe the Word of God, and trust it no matter what happens. I don't care what it looks like, believe it. And then the last one is this, purity. Now, <clears throat> I want you to jump down real quick to chapter 5 and verse number 1 and 2. And we'll hit this a little bit later. Now watch this. Notice the last thing that the Apostle Paul told a young preacher to be an example of. What was it? What's the no, no, in the, in, the, in the verse number 12, there are six things he listed not to be, to, uh, to be an example. What was it? Purity. Thank you. Purity. You'll find out in chapter 5, he further says, keep thyself pure. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, add to your faith, not knowledge, Bible knowledge, not knowledge, all this kind of stuff, virtue, moral purity. A preacher without moral purity ain't worth a dime. He's a train wreck waiting to happen. And now I'm going to say further, Tobias, you surrender to preacher, 17 years old. Biggest struggle you'll have is more purity. Yeah. Just love you enough to tell you. Satan will come at you like nobody's business and try to train wreck your ministry with moral impurity. He's done it to tens of thousands of preachers in this nation before you ever was born. And young people, let me tell you something. Listen to me. Now, I'm not blanketing this. I'm not throwing a blanket across the congregation saying this is for everybody. But one of the reasons some young people will not get up and help sing, their own conscience is stinging them. I ain't going to be a hypocrite and get up every way I'm living. 
their spirit's not right. I've had people in this church, literally, parents, who would be embarrassed for their children to be standing up there with those girls with long dresses on. That's bad spirit. They wanted their kids to be cool. And I'm not letting my kids get up there with a bunch of religious honkies. Girls with dresses down at their ankles and quiet in this church. I mean, I love you. But I want to ask you, what's your spirit? Like, what kind of spirit have you put into your children? Are they ashamed to be running around with kids that does have a right spirit? What's going on? <clears throat> Let me say, I'll just get on two or three things here. By the way, there was a youth group in the Bible over in, the, I believe it's in First Kings. They went up to see, they was going to go to have service with Elisha. <laughs> you don't want them kind of youth groups, amen? Bear, she bear come out and killed 42 kids. It says children too. And don't you let no revised version tell you any different. Now the old timers used to say one boy's a boy, two boys, half boy, three boys ain't no boy at all. And you're not going to learn much from your buddies. And and preface that, this is what I'm saying. Let your first youth group be your family and your siblings. Amen. Amen. Let your first youth group be your family. Any group that violates Malachi 4.6 is in violation of Scripture. Any youth group that doesn't make parents feel welcome to their activities is wrong. Mm. If it just kind of seems like we wouldn't want mom and dad around here, there's something wrong that's with the spirit of that youth meeting. Now, <clears throat> any youth group that takes away from the family or separates or replaces the family is wrong. Any activity where parents are not welcome is wrong. <laughs> but then there's the, the youth group of your family. There's youth group of your church. And uh, we talked about their adults. And uh, I will tell you why I, I'm not a big fan of these. Uh, we, have, we have the youth church over here and we have our youth services and we have all this. I'm, I, you hang on a little bit. I'll get to where you want me to get pretty soon. Okay. But I'm. That boy right there, what's your first name? I can't ever remember. Clayton. Clayton. You know why I like Clayton, Brett? Because he can relate to me. He can look me straight in the eye and talk to me. How old are you now? Uh, 14. 14 years old. Now, you listen to me. If you segregate kids into only peer groups, they will never learn how to relate to other adults. They need to go work with other adults. They need to be around them. They need to have discussions with them. They need to talk with them. Some of the smartest, most wise things some of you young ladies could do is pick you out an elderly widow here that, that is, loves the Lord and is a godly example to you and become her friend and say, how, how can I be a blessing to you in life and learn from her? I hate to tell you girls this, but you're not going to learn much from each other. 
I hate to tell you boys this. You're not going to learn too much from each other. But you get around the men of this church that love God and are faithful to God, you're going to learn something and something's going to rub off on you that's going to help you down the road of life, okay? That's part of God's plan. When God brings the church together, it's not to have all the old men here and old women here and these here and these here. He wants us all to be together. He wants me to learn how to relate to these young people. What if I just cut myself off? The only thing to do with young people, only thing to do with young people. Uh, That's no good. And a youth group is not to supplant the parents or the siblings, the family, the church, and so forth. Now, now everybody, I'm to the part you wanted to hear. But we need desperately youth gatherings and youth activities. And yesterday I was down here at that gym and I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the sweetest things. And they need to do some things together. They say, Reggie, why? Well, so they can get their eyes on some good looking girl and marry her. (laughs) Don't sit there and prude up on me. From the time you were seven years old, you was goggling your eyes at some girl. I hope you were. I got a smart miller comment from some dude this morning. And told me how judgmental and crazy I was and found out he's married to, supposedly married to a man. Can I tell I want to tell you something. You listen to me right now. All you boys listen to me. You know what I, don't you ever let the devil tell you that I don't think you ought to be interested in girls. I'm going to say it plainly and loudly right now. You should be interested in girls. Amen. I never thought I'd have to preach this. But we're at that stage in history, Brother Lutz. I want you boys to be interested. Now, God doesn't mean for everybody to get married. I understand that. I got that. Okay, it's fine. All right. But by and large, as a general principle, unless God calls you differently, God designed you to have a spouse, a mate. And girls, there ain't nothing wrong with you wanting to find old sweetie boy and marry him. You know, I mean, really. And don't let the devil tell you that in this church, they don't want you looking at no boy. Well, quit looking at him. <laughs> I see you looking at these girls up here. <laughs> 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 you, you, you thought I thought you was listening to the preaching. I know better. You ain't looking at the preaching. I got to tease him. It's all right. Hey, man, I just tease you. But I want everybody in this church. And I, by the way, I want every daddy and mama to know it ain't wrong for your child. Get this story. The oldest man that lived after the Revolutionary War, he died at age 106 years of age. He was the last veteran of the Revolutionary War, died at 106 years of age. He had got married when he was 12. They were married. Some of you went, oh. His wife was 14 and he was 12. They were married for 92 years. Yes, sir. Did you know how many times the Bible says the wife of thy youth, the wife of thy youth, the wife of thy youth, the wife of your youth? Can I just tell you the truth about it is? Don't anybody raise your hands, but you said, you know, I've known her since she's six and I believe she's who God wants to be married. I hope it is. I don't know whether it is or not. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Now, I'm going to blow you out of your saddle this morning. It'd be better for you to get married than to burn. That's what your Bible says. 
but we've got this career business going on that we don't want the girls to get married until they're, you know, this age and this age and this age. I don't see that scriptural. No, I ain't saying 12, amen. <laughs> How old are you girls? 16? How old are you? 12. That's what I'm afraid of. He, I'm talking about the boy was 12. She was 14, though, okay. But it lasted 92 years. Something was right about it, amen. So here's what I want to tell you. I don't get this down straight at gun barrel straight. I'd love for you to get interested in young people, but talk to your mom and daddy about it and don't be going behind their backs. And have enough guts and manhood and womanhood in you to say, Mama, you know that boy up there sits up there about three seats back from so-and-so? And she's going, no, who's he? <laughs> ain't that right? Mama ain't looking for him. But talk to him. Daddy is, yeah. <laughs> but talk to mama. Talk to daddy about that. Can I just be honest with you? You're going to change somewhere around 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age. There's going to be hormones kick in you. And you're going to become a woman and a man. And you're going to have a desire for a mate. And that was God given. Yes. Not a thing in the world wrong with it. All good. But it's how you handle it. Whether you keep it in the perimeters of God. So young people, I want you to know something. We're for you, not against you. And don't you let the devil tell you otherwise. I mean that. Where was I at? <laughs> there needs to be some gatherings. And the one reason there needs to be some gatherings, so you can get to know that rascal that you've been looking at for six weeks at church a little bit better. Amen. And you can see what a snob he is. <laughs> And you'll quit looking at him look for somebody else. No, I'm just being. <laughs> and now, don't you kids go out here and say, oh, Reggie said we could have boyfriends and girlfriends. No, I didn't say that. I said it's part of your natural growing up. It's part of God's plan. But stay inside God's perimeters about it. But there needs to be godly gatherings. There needs to be some ball games together and some hiking trips together and whatever it may be and some singing together. Amen. 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 And that's where you're going to kind of learn. You figure out each other, get to know each other. You, you may, some of you sitting here thinking, I would never marry him. You will wind up marrying him just short of the world. <laughs> some of you looking at each other right now. Going, <laughs> but anyway, Keep your parents involved. Amen. Amen. Be that on, it's, a, oh, it's 12.05. Think you better quit. Y'all think you better quit. How many of you kids want me to say one more time, I'm before you get married? You know? <laughs> Why some, you know, I'm going to tell you some of you girls. Now listen to me. I have a burden about young ladies because here's, here's a problem in America right now. You get these young girls and they're trying to live for God. Yeah. And address them honestly and they're trying to live pure, trying to live right. And then they see the boys chase after that gal, Hoosie. And so they say, it doesn't pay. You know, they're getting married. I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to do what right. Look what happens. Girls, I'm telling you that is a, Satan will trap you so bad right there. It's not even funny. And you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to trust him like nobody. I'm talking about nobody's business. Because you know what God put in you girls is to be a mother and to be married. And that's a God-given desire. And I'll tell you what, if you ain't careful, Satan will just twist on you and twist on you and twist on you and have you so messed up, it ain't even funny. And I want you to know we're for you. 
we're not against you. I don't know. Seems like I need to say something else, but I can't think of it. So maybe that means I should shut up and dismiss, you reckon? <laughs> Would somebody, 10 or 12 men escort him out of here? <laughs> no. I'm serious. You young people, you know what? I just want you, I just want you to have the maximum blessed time. You know what I want? You know why? I, do you know really why I enjoy this young people singing so much? Because there's some joy going on up there. I mean, they're having a good time. And it blesses my heart to see young people serving God, obeying the Lord, and worshiping God and having a wonderful time. That just blesses my heart. And I just, I'll tell you what, it's been such a joy. So young people, I'm for you, not against you. Your mom and dad's for you, not against you. And stay, t- stay tuned with your daddy and your mama. Stay tuned with them. Nudge up close. You need them. And if they don't go along with everything you're wanting to do or whatever, just say, Lord, I'll trust you. Lord, I'll trust you. Can you trust him today? Trust him with your youth. Mercy, mercy sakes alive. Everybody all right? Everybody survived the ride? All except that 12-year-old business. I could tell, man, that didn't fly. (laughs) That didn't go with nobody. Let me just tell you something. And I want to encourage those of you that are, I will tell you again, I don't mean to belabor the thing, but it really burdens me. Young ladies, you know, that would like to be married and aren't married, you know, and they just like, well, hey, you know, what's what's the deal? And I want you to know we're for you people, too. We're for you, young ladies. And we're going to stand with you and so forth like that. I know what it was now. Holy Spirit just brought to me. Well, I'll let you out. Here it is. Watch, watch this. Here is where Paul expounds on the deal about with all purity. Rebuke not an elder. We'll deal with that later. But entreat him as a father, the younger men as brethren. Now here's four words in here. Father, brethren, mothers, and sisters. I'm just going to hit this one. He says, the younger as sisters with all purity. Andrew. Boy, I got it. I'm practicing. Andrew, every woman in this building is either, unless they're born exact time you were, is either younger or older than you. God says if they're older, you treat them as you would your mother. He said if they're younger, you treat them as you would your sister with all purity. And if you do that, it just fixes everything. That's how it's supposed to be. If anybody, any lady in this church is younger than I am, I'm supposed to be toward her as I would be a sister. If she's older than I am, I'm to be toward a mother. That keeps garbage out. Let's stand.